there was one student in particular that the Lord really knit my heart to. And he's a guy that most of you know, and that's Clopas Chitapa. Uh, Clopas comes over usually once a year and speaks here. And every time he does, you know, people are always like, wow, that was really good. <laughs> I'm going, he's going back. Uh, and this uh, September, we got uh, 19 people leaving from the church. We're going to be going over for the uh, inaugural uh, Cornerstone Ministries Worship Conference in Zimbabwe. And it's, it's right that our people be there for it, because I, I, I think a lot of the birthing of it uh, came out of the connections that they have to this church, and, and we're, joined, we're joined at the heart with them in a very special way. Uh, next Sunday, we're going to take up a special offering to help them fund that conference. It's going to be a pretty big hit for them. Uh, it's something we could cover, uh, for sure. But it's going to be a pretty big hit for them. And what I'd like for you to do is I'd like for you to pray during this coming week about what the Lord would have you to do next Sunday with regard to giving to that special offering. Um, And if the Lord tells you nothing, then that's okay. The important thing is to hear from God. Well, uh, you know, know, if you show up next week and you hadn't prayed and you go, well, I got 10 bucks, I'm going to throw it in there, we'll, we'll let you do that. We'll keep it. But... It'd be more important than what I'm really asking you to do is to, is to ask God what he would have you to do. So that's, uh, that's, that's next Sunday. Um, also, this isn't in the bulletin, but for those of you who might be interested, tomorrow night, uh, beginning at 7 o'clock, they'll be having the uh, uh, auditions for the adult roles in the musical uh, Annie. Lamplighters will be having it tomorrow, tomorrow evening, beginning at 7 o'clock. So if you're interested in that... Uh, come show up at seven o'clock. We'd, uh, we'd love to see you. See, see what you got. Bring it. You don't have to, you don't have to have a speech or anything prepared. They, uh, they're going to do cold readings. You, you probably do have to be ready to sing. Uh, but aside from that, uh, hey, no sweat. It'd be a good thing. We are in the greatest stories ever told, uh, week two. And I kind of hate to follow week one because it was so good. But uh, I'm not. I'm not threatened. Uh, <laughs> this week we're going to be doing uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And uh, where's my where 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 is my presentation? Yeah, you didn't know that the Good Samaritan wore lipstick, did you? Uh, <laughs> hey, Jerry, will you give me that that clicker? I forgot to bring it up here. <laughs> Jerry Winsett, ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for you. <laughs> Jerry is an old friend of mine from the early 70s. Uh, gets, gets to come be with us a few weeks each year when he's here with the Tennessee Shakespeare Festival. Uh, but I, I think I'm going to do it uh, different this time, Keith. Rather than, uh, rather than doing that video after uh, the reading of the scripture, let's go ahead and do it right now. Let's do it, let's do it first. Uh, this is a... A little video that uh, I do need to make one other announcement. Um, in July, we'll not be having regular Wednesday night services. I think most of you know that. Second Wednesday night in July will be the night of, uh, used to be called Essays Got Talent, but now it's the infamous Swack Factor. 
And if you're interested in uh, doing something that night, and um, for the for the uh, the benefit of all of those who will be here to cheer you on, except for the judges who will be here to eat your lunch, uh, if you're if you're interested in doing something like, you just need to let me know, and I'll put you in that. Will you stand up with me and let's read this this scripture together? On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man... He passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Father, I thank you for your word. I pray that you would mess with our stuff today. I pray that you would invade our space. I pray that you would change our lives and our, and our, and our minds and our attitudes and help us, Lord, to focus on what you focus on. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. People don't ask questions very much anymore. And the reason why people don't ask questions very much anymore is because in this day of uh, uh, 24 hour a day, seven day a week news. We have all reverted to teenagerdom. We know everything. There's no reason for us to ask questions because we know all the answers. We watch the news. We listen to the radio. We are on the internet. Uh, you know, if I, if I want to know something, I'll Google it. Um, I would suggest to you that good questions are more important than good answers. And when you watch the news or listen to the radio or, 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 or and oftentimes even on the internet, you don't get the chance to form the questions. You just get the answers that are given to you. <clears throat> I'll give you an example of why uh, uh, good questions are better. Good questions are better than good answers because good answers start with good questions. If the questions aren't the right ones, then the answers, it, it, you know, it doesn't matter. For example, this is a very practical example. This is a question that sometimes people ask that may not necessarily be a good question. 
How much are the monthly payments? And you can get the right answer. You can get a good answer. You can get a pleasing answer. But that might not be the question you should be asking. In fact, the question that you should be asking is probably more, how much is this going to be after all the monthly payments are made? And even more important than that might be the question of, should I even do this at all? Is there another way? Is there, is there a better way to solve the problem that I have than spending a lot of money or spending what I'm, I'm getting ready to spend? So you see, it, it starts with the question. The questions are, are really important, and we've really lost the skill pretty much of, of asking questions. Usually nowadays, the only reason that we ask questions are because we have a preconceived answer in sight, and we've got an agenda with it. I mean, when this guy asked, who is my neighbor? He wasn't really, he wasn't really saying, well, you know, I, I need some enlightenment here. What he was really saying is, I want to justify myself for all the people that I'm crummy to. So if you'll help me narrow down the field of who my neighbor really is, then maybe I can fit into this thing. And that's, and that's what we have. A, that's, that's the kinds of questions that we tend to ask aren't really questions where we're looking for answers. It's where we're looking for, um, where we're, where we're looking for support for our position. And I know that because I've been a pastor for almost 30 years now. And I, I knew this before becoming a pastor, but I've been a pastor for almost 30 years. And oftentimes when people come and talk to me, they very rarely come to ask a question and are looking for an answer. They're either coming to tell me something they've already decided or they're coming to ask a question wanting me to confirm what they, what they already want to do. See, what, what they really want to do is they want, they want to tell me what, what it is that, they're, that, they've, that they've got in mind. They want me to say yes so that when they stand before God, they can say, he's told me to do it. And, and if I tell them no, that doesn't sound like a good idea, then as a general rule, one of two things happen. They either, it, it, it's almost never that they go, well, you know, pastor, I'm going to listen to that. It's usually one of two things. It's, it's they leave and go, yeah, he told me yes. <laughs> or they leave and they go, I'm leaving. I need to go find some place that's going to tell me yes. That's what So we, we've kind of lost the reason and the skill for asking good questions. This guy came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? That's an important question. Now, you could simply believe in Jesus and the Holy Ghost will come and help you out with that. But if you insist on the do-it-yourself method, then this is it. You love the Lord your God with everything you got and you love your neighbor as yourself. Now, bear in mind that uh, it's pretty deceptive to think that you love God with everything you got when the only thing you honor him with are your words and you send a, you know, a nice thought up to him every now and then. And kind of go, I mean, you know, when your prayer life basically consists of, feel good today. I don't feel good today. You know, that's not necessarily, you have me, you have my heart completely. This guy, though, figured he had the loving 
God part down pretty well, but he needed to narrow the field a bit, on, you know, to get that second part on his resume. So he goes, well, who is my neighbor? Well, he's asking the wrong guy because Jesus is going to, Jesus will actually answer this question in a way that the guy can't get around. The traveler was a nameless traveler. Jesus doesn't name him, doesn't say anything about him, doesn't identify him at all. He is, he is every man. Uh, one of my favorite um, speeches in theater is one that I won't ever get the chance to do because I'm too old to play the role now. But uh, uh, Fred Hollywell in, in uh, Christmas Carol, when he's talking to his Uncle Scrooge, he's talking about liking Christmas because it's a time of year when people look at other people as if they really were fellow passengers on the way to the grave and not some other race headed in other directions. Uh, this guy is a fellow passenger on the way to the grave. He's us. And through no fault of his own, he falls into the hands of robbers, falls into trouble. Uh, when I was a kid, I remember hearing a sermon one time about this, and a guy really spent most of the time in the sermon talking about the fact that, that, that the man was going from Jerusalem down to Jericho, going from the holy city to the cursed city. And that was his problem. That's why he got into the situation that he got into. And, and he was going down to this road. If he had been going up the road, he would have been okay. Okay, nah, forget about it. The, the priest and the Levite and the, and the Samaritan were all going the same way too. It was life that happened to him. That was what it was. Just, just life. What did he do to deserve this? Well, he got born and he lived on earth. That's what he did. Jesus did not claim that we were going to be bulletproof. You know, and, and, and we sing and it's a great verse that no weapon formed against you will prosper. And, and if God gives you that for a specific season and for a specific occasion, you grab it. And you hold it because that's the, way the, that's the way the Holy Spirit works as you're reading the Scripture. There may be something in there that this might not be the exact context of the passage, but it's your context. And the Holy Ghost goes, that's yours. But in the context of the passage, no weapon formed against you will prosper. It's talking about the fulfillment of the kingdom. It's talking about you know when, when Jesus comes back and, and rules and reigns. So anyway, the guy, through no fault of his own, Ended up <laughs> claiming the promise of John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. And that promise is for everyone. But fortunately, there's a, little, there's a thing in front of it and behind it that is for believers. Jesus said, these things I've spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. If you're, if, you're, if you're listening to my words and you belong to me, you'll have peace. In this world, you're going to have trouble. But take heart. I've overcome the world. We tend to look at people in trouble and the default position that we tend to go to is one of, he must have done something to deserve that. Well, I wonder what he did. I mean, we're like the disciples over in John chapter 9 when they saw the, the, the man born blind. Master, who sinned? Was it this man or, or, or was his parents and the, and the problem is the question that we're, oftentimes we don't ask the question, we, pre, we, we presuppose it. 
It's not, I wonder what he did. It's he did something oftentimes. But when we do ask it, we usually ask for the wrong motives. It's not like, well, what did they do for this to happen so that we can help other people avoid it? Normally, ooh, and this is so good, so get your antennas up. Normally, what we're, what we're actually thinking and what we're asking is, what did they do to deserve this so that I don't have to help them? Because if they deserve it, and here he is. He's left with no resources. He's wounded. He's dying. The thief always comes to steal and kill and destroy. And so the candidates to help are introduced onto the scene. <laughs> and the first is a priest. And the priest is, uh, he's the top of the religious food chain. He's, he's, at, he's at the very top of it. We so easily confuse religion with God. Religion is a tool. That's all it is. It's a tool. And like any tool, it can be used for good, or it can, if you, if you use it the wrong way, it can really mess things up. A, a, a table saw is a great tool for cutting wood. But it's, it's also a great tool for cutting fingers. And we've had people who've, who've experienced that. And that, that, that destroys, that brings destruction. You know, the, the church is not religion. The church is the body of Christ. It is a living, breathing, dynamic organism. But, but religion is a tool that the church uses and that others use to instruct and to train and to disciple, to bring people along. And in the, and in, in the case of the church, it's, it should be used to point people toward a relationship with God. Well, Jesus doesn't say why the priest didn't, didn't stop to help or why he passed by on the other side. But, okay, I'm, I'm, this is a bunny trail. It's got really nothing to do with the sermon, but I really feel like I'm supposed to say it. And it's, it's kind of funny, but it's really not funny. I think I'm supposed to say it because I really think it's, it might save somebody's life. When, 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 when I was a kid, people used to walk places and they taught you which side of the road to walk on. You're supposed to walk facing the oncoming traffic. And these days, you know, I see people, they're walking down the road, you know, and, and, and their cars coming along behind them doing 40 and 50 miles an hour. And I'm going, what, how, how do these people live? You know, because one of these, so I'm just, I'm just telling you, somebody in here didn't know that before now. And I'm telling you where you, where you're supposed to walk because live long and prosper or whatever. <laughs> Okay, the priest passed by on the other side. Now, you see, that that was where that came from. Priest, priest passed by on the other side. According to the rules of the priesthood, it would make him unclean to touch a dead body. And this guy might be dead. And if he's not dead, he might die while I'm helping him. Seriously. And then how am I going to do my job? You know, Jesus was always, and I and I... No exceptions. Jesus was always ready to set aside legal technicalities when they prevented him from helping somebody in need. Always. He always put the people in, in, front, of, in front of whatever, whatever rules seemed to be standing in the way of him helping them. Re- just religion by itself puts rules in front of people. God always puts people 
in front of rules. Not saying that the rules are bad. I'm not saying that the rules are unimportant. They're important. They're there to make our lives better. But when it comes down to, do I keep the rule? Do I help the person? I'll tell you what Jesus always did. He always helped the person. But not this priest. And so the next candidate that comes along is a Levite. And, and the Levite was next on the rung, on the next rung of the religious ladder. And the Levites didn't have to keep the strict personal code that the priests did, but boy, were they busy. I mean, they, 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 they did all the maintenance in the house of God. They prepared everything. They got everything ready. They, they were, they were little busy bees in, in the stuff that they were doing. Is it possible to get so busy doing stuff for the Lord that we don't have time to do what the Lord wants? Is it possible to attach such importance to the stuff that we're doing that it becomes more important than people? Bruce Coble uh, has led a lot of mission trips over the years. And they've all been good, but I think they've gotten progressively better. And one of, one of the lessons, really, that he learned, and I saw him learn it because I've known Bruce the whole way, is that no matter what you're going to do, if you're going to build a house, if you're going to build a church, if you're going to hold a crusade, if you're going to a conference, no matter what you're going to do, it is secondary to the people you're going to do it for. If you go and you build the house and you didn't connect with the people, you missed why you went. You go and you connect with the people. You get the job done, but you connect with them. They are the reason why you're there. They're the reason why God has sent you. And this Levite apparently had stuff to do because he passed by on the other side. The third candidate was a Samaritan. (laughs) And you know, when Jesus told this story, he elevated the position of Samaritan forever to a place of honor in people's minds. I mean, when you hear Samaritan nowadays, the first word you attach with it is good, Samaritan. And, and, and sometimes they don't even, you don't, they don't even have to say good Samaritan. They just say, you know, uh, I, had a, I had a flat tire uh, and I didn't have any way to get it fixed, but a Samaritan stopped by. Wow. I, that, that, that has become synonymous with somebody who's willing to stop and help people. But at the time that Jesus told this, (laughs) I mean, there were racial and religious and social reasons to avoid some, all of the above, to avoid Samaritans. Uh, According to the Jews, I mean, the Samaritans were were worse than the worst. They, they, They were the lowest of the low because they, first of all, they claimed to have the same religion as the Jews. They claimed to worship the same God. And the Jews, no way, uh uh-uh. You're, you, that, you're really dangerous because you're claiming to worship the same guy we do. And they also, I mean, they were, racially, they, they, were, they were unclean. They were, they were impure. They, they claimed to have the same background and heritage that the Jews had, but the Jews are going, you can't prove it. And so they were racially despised. They were despised for their religion, and, and their social standing was, wasn't very high either. Their socioeconomic standing wasn't very high. Here's my question. Jesus was deliberate in using a Samaritan in answering this guy's question. Very deliberate. 
If he were telling this story to you, who would he plug in? He wouldn't use a Samaritan if he were talking to you. Maybe an illegal immigrant? Well, we know the answer to one guy. A Muslim? Homosexual? For me, it would probably be a Wall Street banker. You got a blank space on your little on your little thing in there. You can fill in the. I mean, seriously, that's something you need to think about. Because if he were telling this story to you, I guarantee you, he would he would put something in there that would nail where you live. Absolutely nail where you live. The Samaritan took pity on him. When he saw the guy, he didn't see a moral dilemma. He wasn't going, oh, will this make me unclean to touch this guy? What are people going to think if I associate with this guy? There was no moral dilemma there. There was a guy laying there dying. When When he looked at the guy, he didn't see a social problem. You know, he, he, didn't, he didn't look at him and go, well, it's just like them. That, that, just what I thought, that's how they are. He saw a guy laying there dying. When he looked at him, he didn't see an, ex- an example of questionable behavior. You know, he didn't go, what was he doing traveling on this road alone? I bet he was traveling at night. You know, I bet this was a drug deal gone bad. There's no telling what he I mean, there really isn't. He didn't see any of that. He saw a man laying there, beaten and dying. That's all he saw. Boy, if that would be all we would see when we look at people, then we would see them the way God does. He bandaged his wounds. He poured in the oil and, and, and the wine, it says. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't afraid to get his hands dirty. I, I, you know, I mean, I, some people are freaked out by blood, and I'm probably one of them. I'm, I, I'm semi-freaked out by blood. But, you know, if it were, if it were somebody I loved, then I, you got, I got to do it. I just got to do it. I got to help. Poured, poured in the, the oil, the, the wine was a disinfectant, uh, the, the oil's a, an emollient, he, he, was, he was helping him out. I came across this and I just had to, I just had to put it in there. Uh, don't get too excited, fella, I'm the mediocre Samaritan. I only give you a band-aid and then I'm off. Anybody feel convicted? <laughs> I do. And we should. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> this is so much fun. <sighs> and then he took the injured man and he put him in his, in his own place, gave him his ride. You know, the Samaritan owned a donkey. 
He, he had a donkey. Now, this is not a bad thing to have in those days if you're going to take a trip. And obviously, there was room to ride on it, so he must have been riding on it, but not anymore because somebody needed it more than he needed it. What a guy. Took him, took him to a, a, an inn, took him to a, a place for him, him to be taken care of, and he, and he gave the innkeeper money. And, and, and ultimately, he said to the innkeeper, you know, I've, I've got to... I've got to go, but I'm going to come back. You take care of him. This money should cover it. When I get back, if it didn't cover it, you tell me what else is needed, and I'll and I'll take care of that. He felt an ongoing responsibility for this guy. But even more than that, the Samaritan had places to go and things to do as well. The Samaritan wasn't, you know, some lazy bum like they are. He had money. He had a donkey. He, he, had, he had things he needed to go tend to. People are people. They really are. And yet, he took the time. He paid the price. He had the concern. He saw an ongoing responsibility. <laughs> Teach a man to fish. And he will eat for the rest of his life. And we don't have to worry about him anymore, right? He will eat for the rest of his life if he's any good at fishing. If he lives near the water. And if all the fish have not been killed by toxic waste. (laughs) Maybe we need to teach him to read and write. You know, maybe we need to teach him to, to... Hunt. Maybe we need to teach him to drive or, you know, it's, it, God, God personalizes each, with each one of us. And, and he, and he, and he puts us in the right place and, and everybody needs something different. What brought me to Christ? Maybe wouldn't have brought you to Christ at all. You know, and what brought you to Christ? Maybe were not, were I to hear it, I might go, really? You kidding? You, you came to Christ when you heard that? You know, but that's you. It, 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 it landed where you live and what God used to bring me landed where I live and the needs that are in the, the issues that I struggle with in my life. Some of you struggle with the same issues, but you don't struggle in the same ways. I mean, issues wise, we're all snowflakes and, and God personalizes it to, to each one of us. And he sent the right guy along at the right time. And, and, and there is no one size fits all. I gave it the church and now I'm not responsible for anything else. There, there is no, that, that's, that doesn't cut it in the kingdom. That doesn't fly. And so, you know, the question is, who, who is my neighbor? The man was asking the wrong question. Now, fortunately, he was asking God, and God is able to take the wrong question and turn it into the right answer and the right question all at the same time. Because Jesus turned it around to him and said, you know, which one of these was a neighbor to the man who was hurt? Because that's really the right question. We live in such a polarized society. We, we, we live in such a mistrustful society. We, we, we we built so many walls and what we want to know about people is, you know, what do they think about this issue? What do they think about that issue? Truth of the matter is, our neighbor is everybody who lives on this planet and we're responsible for them. 
every race, every age, every, you know, fat, skinny, smart, dumb, old, young, whole thing. We're responsible for them. That's what our Father wants us to do. I rarely, especially in the area of social media, I rarely step into any kind of uh, discussions about social issues because it's, it's, yeah. Uh, but this, this last week I, I, I found myself going, okay, really feel like I'm not supposed to do that. And so I did on a particular issue because uh, it was totally missing where, where God was about it. And so I said, you know, well, really, God, God, uh, well, it, it was about immigration, quite frankly. And I said, you know, really, God says that we're all aliens and strangers in this world, and we're supposed to be kind to the alien and stranger because that's what we are. And, uh, you know, I went and, I, and I'm, I'm going to jump back from that now. <laughs> now go get any closer to that. This, I'm, just, I'm just saying this is, uh, and I remember one of the replies that I got back and, you know, I know that this would be a person who would probably consider themselves to be a Christian. One of the replies that I got back was, it's not about God. <laughs> okay. Well, what, what could possibly not be about God? What could possibly not be about God? You know, it's not about God. It's about the nation. One nation under. But you know, when a person's drank that much Kool-Aid, you just don't argue with them. That's... <laughs> I'm glad y'all are enjoying this. Uh, Jesus gave us a lot of commands. And oftentimes, we kind of stop at one. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's an important command. But we tend to kind of go, that's it. That's the big one. You get that one. Everything's taken care of. And so what that means is that since I'm not really a preacher myself, is I'll give some money to this one and he'll go preach the gospel and I helped out. And You know, that's great. That is absolutely great. But what that is, is that, that, is, a, that is a viewpoint of the, the great commission that's about this wide when it's really about this wide. Thank you for that amen. <laughs> Because do you, do you think that if Jesus were to go, and now the rest of the story, you know, the Samaritan came back, the guy was well again, and the Samaritan witnessed to him and told him, you need to give your life to Christ. You think that guy wanted to hear what the man had to say who saved his life, who stopped and helped him? Oh, yeah. I think so. I think it would probably been a lot more meaningful to him than any of the any of the booklets that the priest had written. You know, any tracks that the Levite left with him. Yeah. I wanted to hear what the guy who helped him. And so the command that God has given to us, you go and do likewise. 
Would you stand with me? This was an important sermon. <laughs> it really was. I, I hope that that you that you don't just blow it off, uh, you know, because it's important. I, I hope it changes some people's lives, some people's outlooks. Oh, well, those who are going to pray with people, come forward. We uh, when we come together, we come together for three main reasons. Well, four really. We come together to fellowship and see each other. We come together to hear the word. We come together to worship as a united body, which is a whole different dynamic from doing it by ourselves. Yeah. But we also come together to minister to each other. And if you're hurt, if you're hurting, if you uh, if you're here today and you've, you know, not every not everybody lying on the Jericho Road is out laying on the road. Some of them are sitting on the, the road next to you. And if you came today and you need prayer for something. Uh, these brothers and sisters would love to pray with you, minister to you, because uh, because every single one of them believe that God answers prayer, and He really does. We're going to worship for a few moments. If you don't need to come, worship, because you'll help those who do need to come. Because God's worthy. Thank you.
Father's Day, and uh, I just want to say two things. Number one, I hope you had a good, a good daddy. And it, and if you didn't, uh, if you did, then just consider yourself very blessed. If you didn't, just understand that you know he was just he was just a man, and you really don't know. The demons he, did, he, he struggled with, the issues he felt with, he would have loved to have been able to love you. Uh, I can tell you that. Just not everybody knows how. Not everybody's got that capability. Uh, that's why Jesus came and died for us. And also, as Anna said earlier, every single one of us got a father that does love us, puts his name on us. We can be grateful for that. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. The God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent His Son into the world so that those who are dying and those who are injured and those who are lost may be ministered to and healed and made whole. May you be agents of that healing and that wholeness. May the glory that He has called you to emanate from your life and bless those around you and give them hope. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord.